Hello, all you Lasso fans, and welcome to Peanut Butter and Biscuits. We are so excited to break down this week's episode of Ted Lasso. Join me today. I have my co-host for this show, Jeremy Geckner. How are you, sir? What is up, everyone? Uh, again, Ted Lasso just does it. I mean, this is such a great, uplifting episode. If you, I mean, it's the best part of the week, as you say. We've all just watched Ted Lasso. Everybody's in a happy place. Absolutely. Well, except and for one person. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Absolutely. You know, uh, he did such an amazing job. Just fan reaction galore. People were clamoring for him to come back on this week's episode. Just yep. so much fan mail Flooded for inboxes. Nick Sandercock to come back to break down this episode. Thanks, guys, for having me back. Uh, I'm glad that my uh, different penmanship skills of my younger years have paid off and the fan mail got me back on the show. Yes, absolutely. That is perfect. That's perfect. We are always and able to be bought by fans. That's a, that's always a, that's always a plus there. So <laughs> no, I appreciate I appreciate the invite. Thanks for having me back. And we are getting to break down episode six, The Signal, yes. uh, as we come into here. But before we do that, I, I know even the name makes me laugh. <laughs> how are we all feeling? You know, we, we have hit the halfway mark of this season. So before we dive into the episode, I want to gauge, I want to get the temperature for how you're feeling about where this season is at. Uh, has it lived up to the hype that you had going into it? And where do you think it might be going from here? Nick, can you uh, answer any of those questions for me? How are you feeling about this halfway through the season? I'm feeling great halfway through the season. And I think it's uh, definitely living up to what you would expect from a top-notch show like Ted Lasso in its second season. Uh, We're getting a lot of really great character development across the full cast uh, which is something you need after after a while and, and a few episodes. And it's it's good for us to see different perspectives and really get connected into these different characters and uh, the challenges that they have, how Ted supports them, how Ted learns from them. Um, it may be called Ted Lasso, but it's really Ted Lasso and friends this season. And <laughs> I'm, I'm all on board. Yes. Jeremy, where's your head at halfway through the season? Yeah, I'm loving it because I'm not one of those that needs the same thing over and over again. I want to see my characters grow, you know, and especially when you do as good a job as season one does with getting us invested in these characters. You know, it, it's it's a pretty standard fish out of water thing there, but there's so many life lessons and so many, you know, moments of, you know, the mental clarity you get watching season one and now yeah we're kind of diving into a lot more of who these people are and and that they're not perfect and <laughs> you know that ted does have some issues not that we didn't see that in season one but like you know you we're really starting to see like with the emergence of dr fieldstone here and and the therapeutic side of all of this stuff the Ted, he has some stuff that he's working through. We don't quite know what that is yet. And I think there's probably something a bit more than just the divorce, but like the, you know, it, there's definitely some stuff that is really bubbling under the surface here. And I love that we're getting to see him have to deal with this kind of stuff. And that beard has to deal with, with stuff, especially crazy Jane, man. Um, but like, and, and everybody, but you're right. Everybody's growing. Everybody's doing this And the thing that I love about this, this season so far, 
they're not forgetting anyone. Everyone is getting their moments in every single episode. Some are featured more. You know, the last episode was very Nate centric. He has definitely a great arc in this one, but it's a lot less screen time than in the previous episode. But everybody continues to move forward in this season. And I absolutely love that. Well, we get to circle back to Jamie in this episode. You know, we didn't get yes. too much of him in episode five, but certainly we get to circle back to him this episode as well. And I'm really enjoying it quite a bit. You know, I have to have a mea culpa because uh, in when we talked about episode three, I had talked about the athletic activism that was in that episode and how uh, I was feeling like that was rushed. Well, of course, Brendan Hunt, like the day our episode posts, comes out and says that the really they thought that the first three episodes were going to be released at the same time. And so mm. they had written those episodes to essentially be like a three act play. And mm. so they did see it as kind of that would start off our season and then we'd go right into the Christmas episode. And then now we'd get this arc. But I, so far, you both have said it so well that we are getting the character development we need and the character development that we want. And we're getting so much from everybody, uh, depend, no, no matter who they are in this series, we're getting some uh, more additional storylines for them. One thing that we hadn't been getting really until the last two weeks has been some football. We have not seen a right. ton of soccer yeah. <laughs> being played. And I got to tell you, I'm excited uh, that we get a little bit about that as we head into the FA Cup here. So transitioning particularly to episode six. Give me your first impressions, Jeremy, your thoughts on the signal. Yeah, absolutely. Again, like the name of the episode just makes me laugh because that's such a fantastic arc here. And I'll, I'll tell you this, it's like, so there's a lot of great Tedisms in this that we'll talk about later. Some really great lines as always, but I am really invested in the Jamie Tart storyline. I really, really am. Um, ever since you know, ever since that first episode when they're exercising the ghosts and they're burning all the stuff that means something to them. And this is the first time we hear Jamie talk about his parents and specifically his dad and how he hates so much of how his dad makes him feel. And then seeing that little brief glimpse of his dad at the end of season one, um, throwing cleats at him because he passed the ball instead of trying to score the winning goal, even though they won because of that pass. Um, you know, like it, you can tell... And I can very much tell in the way Phil Dunster is doing the character this year that there, again, is some very big tension bubbling under the surface of this guy. And, you know, it's a very unusual point of view here for Jamie because... Roy kind of correctly calls it out, doesn't he? The Ted kind of breaks him. He's, he kind of like yeah. ruined who Jamie was as a, as a football player. And so now, you know, we have to kind of get that back in there. And so I am loving every single part of what the Jamie Tart storyline is doing this year. I cannot wait to see how it resolves itself. If it does, at least if it just keeps moving forward here, but you're right. I love getting the soccer or the football action back in it because, you know, I, this is what I always try to tell people is they're like, okay, it's about a football coach, but a soccer coach, but it really isn't that much about the sport. I mean, it's really just a lot more about life and, and people and stuff like that. But every time we get to actually have some stuff there, because the FA cup is fantastic. I watch it every single year. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving this episode so much. It's got all the things I love. March madness, right in the uh, middle, right in the of middle the of season, the season. Right? Don't you? Yes. It's, it's insane. They all stop their seasons to do a tournament and then they just go back to their seasons. Nick, your thoughts on the episode as a whole before we dive in? 
as a whole. Uh, this is one of those, whereas, you know, episode five might have been a classic TED. Uh, we're definitely getting into the vulnerable side of our mm -hmm. characters in this episode. Uh, you know, seeing how Jamie is, uh, as you were saying there, Jeremy needing to be broken down a little bit back to uh, who he is at his core and what makes him su successful and to stop suppressing those things. Uh, and then um, I, I was really invested in Nate coming out of last episode. Uh, you know, he finally got his confidence boost back. And then at the final scene, Roy oh, Kent yeah. walks on and the crowd goes wild. And you're like, oh, Nate, man, what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's nice to see uh, how he reels from that in this episode all the way through through the ending. Uh, but overall, a, a vulnerable episode, definitely some good character development but not short on the on the wit and the tedisms that uh come along with with every episode of lasso now jeremy i have to ask i'm putting you on front street here how old were you when you realized it was not wonder kid but wonderkin <laughs> uh i don't think i heard did that did you word. study german or yeah do you, i do you I, know this yeah, it was probably college. I mean, I don't think I ever heard the term wonder, wunderkind uh, anywhere in my in That's my like, you almost life. have to say it with the accent, right? I totally get where yeah. Nate's going here. With well, exactly. Kid. If you I say like it with it. an American or an English accent, of course, it sounds like wonder kid. <laughs> oh, I was I was today years old when I watched yes. that episode. <laughs> and learned, okay, you know, the, the more you know on that one. Well, we yeah. can edit this, right? No, no, no we're live. No, we're live. Look, that, the, the look, look on his face was priceless. so amazing. <laughs> It's just priceless. So uh, uh, let's dive right into the episode and we're going to kind of go story beat for story beat here as we go through our episode together. So the first thing we see, the Roy Kent effect. I want your opinions on this. Roy Kent is now a coach and they're on a four game winning streak. Any thoughts on that, Nick, uh, as we see Roy on the sidelines and we actually get to see some pretty good football going on. Yeah, they're, they're clearly back in the game. The team's winning. You can see that there's uh, a lot of, of good energy in the room. You know, Danny Rojas making that great goal <laughs> at the beginning always makes you feel good coming into the episode. I did notice that our commentary coming in was from a different TV show than the uh -huh. one uh, that uh, Mr. Roy Kent left. So some nice subtleties there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we get Ted walking in. He's in the best mood, uh, calling everybody by name. Just the, the great Ted as a boss coach leader that we see. Uh, it's got the, the really good winning game feel to it. And what's interesting about it, you talked about subtlety. You notice who passes the ball to Rojas and who how how he sets him up because Jamie would have never done that in season one. So it ties into later when Roy is going to tell him that Ted, you know, Ted has broken him because uh, he would have never made that pass. He would have tried to do it himself and may or may not have been able to win the game uh, doing that. So then we cut to Rebecca and she's in with uh, with a man with Luca here, even though she's on banter. So she's playing the field a little bit here, Jeremy. Yeah, hunky Luca here, or I think is that how it's in in her phone, or, or sexy Luca, it is. or something. Uh, hunky Luca and hunky he's, Luca. He's which is <laughs> pretty likes amazing. Eat, um, uh, he likes to eat breakfast uh, wearing no clothes. Yes, it's, buck nude here. Don't um, know that that's something I've ever done. Uh, TMI, no. I think. Well, maybe not TMI. <laughs> What's the opposite of TMI? Um, 
No, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I've done that before. <laughs> well, and before I get to Rebecca, I do love the through line from episode one of this season. We get to see laughing Liam. Wait, 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 wait. That's in my next beat. That's yes. in my next beat. I actually have a whole beat for laughing Liam. Okay, well, I'm going to start again. Okay, Horrible. here we go. Horrible. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> okay. Edit, edit, edit. edit. Oh, the, the magic <laughs> editing. <laughs> yeah, we can edit that later, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did like this and I like seeing that Rebecca, you know, again, she, the confidence just keeps growing and growing and growing. Now she's just doing random hookups. She's on these dating apps, which she mentions in the last episode, episode five to Keely, that she's still on, you know, these other dating apps, not just banter. But, you know, it, again, it's like she's not letting, you know, her past romantic trauma with Rupert define her anymore. And she's going out and getting whatever the hell she wants, like Hunky Luca, um, and just randomly hooking up. But I do absolutely love like her mom comes in and completely unfazed, which I absolutely love. He just offers her tea. And one of my favorite lines of the episode is just like, will there be biscuits with that? (laughs) Just absolutely unfazed. Um, And it's a great thing, but it really does set up this really interesting, as you said, Nick, a very vulnerable story arc for Rebecca, because we get some backstory that we didn't know about before uh, that kind of springs forth from this whole little, uh, I don't know, naked meat cute, if you will, here at the beginning of the episode. (laughs) Nick, uh, so we do get to hear that Rebecca's mother and father have temporarily split. So talk to me about uh, this opening and where this is taking Rebecca's character for you. It is, you know, as you mentioned there, Jeremy, it's, it's opening up into a backstory that we didn't necessarily have before. And it's really highlighting where some of that hesitation uh, may come in, you know, giving herself away and, mm-hmm. and finding love again. Not only has she been hurt uh, by her ex-husband, but she also has not had the most healthy relationships modeled for her in her life. Mm-hmm. And we, we see even, even later, just the effect that, you know, voicing your opinion and, you know, kind of speaking out on how you truly feel on something, how that's actually uh, come back to negatively affect her. Uh, it's kind of bitten her a little bit. And, and you definitely see that as part of her character, you know, all through season one up till now. And we finally get to see behind that and, and figure out what may help chip away at, at those walls that she has. One of the best things that this show does is call back to previous episodes, such smart writing. And uh, we finally, we learned about laughing Liam in episode (laughs) one of season two, but now we finally get to see laughing Liam and it's the best. It just, it killed me when we finally got to see him. So I had to at least throw I, it out there. Yeah. Jeremy, I know I have that the, it was I have uh, particularly question. impactful to you. Yes, I have this standard question every time something like this happens in a movie or a TV show. Did Rebecca and so did Hannah and Jeremy Swift, like did they come up with this laugh and then this guy emulated that? Or did this guy make this laugh and then they like were impersonating him? This is always this. It's the Forrest Gump effect, basically. Because if you don't know, uh, Tom Hanks did the voice based off the kid actor. He met the kid actor who was playing young Forrest and said, well, okay, I'm just going to do his voice as opposed to him doing something I make up. So that's always what I'm like trying to think about in, in situations like that. It's like, did, is that how this guy laughs? Did he come up with this? Is this like some PA or some writer that they just put in there that has this really weird laugh? I don't know. I want answers. 
we do get a little bit of exposition from Ted about what the FA Cup is, and that's uh, that's thank 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 you from all of America who does not watch uh, enough right. uh, English football. So it's nice to know, particularly what the FA Cup is. Uh, but then this leads us into a meeting of the Diamond Dogs after uh, Coach Beard is talking about uh, basically what what's going on with Jane. And so I want to get your opinion here because this is another one of those story arcs that has been sort of ongoing throughout the entire season, but it really comes to a head here. This is uh, definitely a beat that they wanted us to pay attention to. So talk to me about this relationship between Beard and Jane. And then also I want to get your opinion on uh, Higgins and what happens with the diamond dogs as well. So Nick, Talk to me about this moment in the uh, episode. Oh, Leslie Higgins. Uh, he's such a he's such a funny man. And I love that he's still floating around <laughs> to different office spaces. Like it's they the best, still done it's the best running guys. joke in the whole it season. It really is. It <laughs> starts out there again. And uh, you know, we we see uh, him looking through the window at this point, just kind of eavesdropping. Do you really think that's a good idea? <laughs> um, and just climbing through the window, the level of like physical comedy uh, that Jeremy Swift brings into that scene there is just it's it's really great. Of course, you know, Diamond Dogs. Anytime they get together and get their their uh, their woofing and their call uh, <laughs> as a group, always have a good laugh on that. Uh, but I would, I think that his, his bark, his wolf growl, it actually got a little lodged in his throat. Uh, we get some good, uh, some good gag comedy uh, with Mr. Higgins all through the episode, but love seeing him uh, and everything he brings here in the, in the first scenes. I know that your favorite character in all of this is coach beard, Jeremy. So mm. walk me through where your buddy's at here. What's Brendan hunt up to in this episode? Yeah. Man, and what's coach... he up to this season? Because you know, he's in this kind of like toxic relationship as we, at least, and we haven't really, we don't see examples of that until later in this episode. Then we start to see that kind of controlling nature that that relationship has. But obviously his friends have seen this and are trying to uh, desperately talk him off the cliff here. And, you know, uh, we've all been there, right? <laughs> we've all had right. those moments where you're like, Hey buddy, I, I, this is really hard to tell you. And that's what Higgins is trying to do. But talk to me about Coach Beard and his relationship here. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we get little glimpses of this throughout the season so far. I mean, he talks about sharing an iCloud account with Jane and that if he downloaded banter, she would take it apart, take his phone apart with a ball peen hammer and a blowtorch, um, which is very vivid. Um, but also talking about going to a pagan festival at Stonehenge, um, even though they were already broken up together. Again, Beard's like... I have no clue what this guy is. <laughs> like he's he's a very good coach. He's witty as hell. Um, he and Ted are perfect, you know, foils for each other and everything. But like, <laughs> I don't know what this guy's interests are at all. It's all over the place. But you're right. Like this is really where we kind of get a lot more knowing what Jane is all about in this first season. She's just this chess player that he's dating. Um, but now, yeah, this thing is so toxic, um, this relationship that they're dealing with here, um, you know, to the point of, you know, he sees two missed calls from her and panics immediately. Um, you know, like I'm sure sometimes people know what that's like. Um, 
but yeah, like, you know, it, it definitely seems though that Jane is a very manipulative person throughout this episode. Um, you know, telling him, telling him she's going to lunch with her underwear model friend, making him wear a new hat at the end of the episode. Um, but you know, like, and, and it really is Leslie that, that has to come out with the, the way that he says that at the end there, he's just like, you're a great man. Does she make you greater? Um, I never like that was surprising to me to hear it put that way, because even though the Diamond Dogs do have a point here that, you know, it's tricky getting involved in people's relationships. It's really tricky um, because there's just a lot of baggage and a lot of stuff you don't know. But, you know, and we'll get to, you know, Leslie's talk with Rebecca at the end of the episode, I'm sure. But yeah, like Beard, what the hell are you doing? man? <laughs> like this, this cannot be for you. And I think there is probably a crisis going on with him. Some mm-hmm. kind of little identity crisis, because that seems to be what everybody's going through this season. I completely agree. And then now we get the clash of the Titans in our next story beats. And that's going to be Jamie and Roy and Jamie really trying to be the better person and to be able to come to Roy and uh, get coached by him so they can continue on this win streak that they can continue doing well. And uh, this is when Keely gives that great line about (laughs) just, just agreeing. I agree all the time. Just agree with Roy. constantly and then uh all will resolve itself and of course uh jamie tries to do that just some wonderful acting there fantastic in, uh in the delivery from phil dunster and it's just wonderful but then this is where you know roy basically tells him that he needs to be a prick like you are the star you need to be the star you're an extremely talented person that needs to get in the head of your opponents and then that way we can win as a team that is your asset to the team it's not being a team player it's going out there and being cocky being yourself from season one bringing that back and that's so much like you can tell that the tension between the two of them in season one was absolutely that Roy was that person, but Mm. then he grew up to be this team captain who had to keep the team together. And in a way he resented that in Jamie. And so this is him saying that this is like Jamie's superpower is that he is just as good as he says he is. So uh, Jeremy, talk to me about this. Uh, Talk to me about this relationship between Roy and Jamie, because I know that this has been an arc, this kind of rehabilitation of Jamie Tart has been something you've been really interested in throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be kind of brief here because I really want to hear Nick's uh, thoughts on this one too, because it's, these two, these two are such mirror images of each other. There's the, I think it was episode four, season one, the, the charity benefit where they finally kind of understand each other for the first time where Roy says, you know, like, I see so much of me in you. Um, and that's like, and because your right foot was kissed by God, I think is how he put it in that episode, which is just <laughs> fantastic wording. Um, but yeah, it's just like, and, and when, like, I, you're right. The comedy of that interaction is fantastic. Um, you know, just like making him say that he's an ugly, ugly boy with bad hair and everything. With like bad that. hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With bad hair. Um, again, he's just so resistant to saying the hair part. And I just love that about him. Um, and then it also gives me one of my favorite lines in this episode, which is the, uh, I, know, I know you are, but so are you. Is <laughs> a comeback from Roy Kent back to him. Um, but yeah, like this is, this is a really, really great, um, great, 
growth of their relationship because you know out of this is going to come a greater understanding and a greater trust between Jamie and Roy. And I can't think of any way that that's bad for the team or for us as viewers. But Nick, what do you think of this? Yeah, I think uh, with all of the advice that Jamie was able to to get from Keeley and just call back to that great scene where she was like, I'm not dealing with this. I'll give you the one answer and then I'm yeah. passing you off to, to Doc Sharon. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. Uh-huh. Um, but just just taking that advice and uh, wanting to work with Roy, I think that shows a lot of growth. Uh, and Jamie as a character there. And it feels like we're getting towards uh, a really good uh, spot in his in his arc. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a redemption arc, maybe a mm. redemption from the, the reality TV he did in sure, the first sure, episode. Sure, sure. Uh, but he's really starting to, to find his groove overall. And it's just that missing piece is that relationship. And once they can finally cut through there and, and have an understanding, I mean, we we see the payoff and and what comes out of that. But I do I do like that um, even across all of it. You know, Roy says you need to do what you're good at: go out there, be a prick, score goals, uh, get in their head. In their um, heads, that's the key part. <laughs> Yeah, but but only sometimes and when it's appropriate. He throws mm-hmm. that in there too, which I think is really important for these characters, especially as we talk about growth and, and trying to see multiple sides of them here. He doesn't need to be uh, that jerk to his teammates. He needs to be that guy to the opposition there. And I think that nuance uh, is something that you get from a good coach that sees the strength of the player, of the contributor, um, but can also balance that so that it really benefits the team. So coach, coach Kent has earned his, earned his spots here for sure. Absolutely. And just before we move on from that, I, I just love that when you, you talk about when he says like, no, we need you to be a prick. And like, there's just this little moment where Jamie is just like, oh, so I can go back to being a prick. And he's like, so happy. And Royce, <laughs> Royce says no. And he's just like, oh, <laughs> he just has this little slump in his shoulders. Um, but also when Ted is just like sitting there, like listening, he's just like, uh, yeah, I actually would like to know the answer to that too. Fantastic comedy from Jason Sudeikis there. <laughs> Um, now we're going to move into before like a large portion of this episode is going to be taking place at the quarterfinal match. So (laughs) we're going to go into our last story beat before that, which is the lunch that's had between Rebecca and her mother, Keely and Ted. And I I found a lot interesting here. Um, Mm -hmm. and I picked up on something that maybe was a bit more subtly said, or, you know, you'd think that in this lunch, the focus is probably going to be on Rebecca and her mom. I actually found the focus to be much more on Ted, particularly because he gives his kind of philosophy about leaving it well or leaving them well. And in regards to his divorce. And I thought that that was really interesting because again, we just get little sneak peeks here. We're kind of slowly learning more about this divorce, about the separation that the, that they've had. Um, obviously, we also get Ted earlier in the episode getting a phone call from his son's school. And yeah. that also really freaks him out because he's that like, oh my God, is my out, son uh, hurt? <laughs> and you know, I'm six hours ahead time zone wise here. I can't do anything about it. And that powerlessness that he feels and that loss of family and that loss of connection, I don't know, for some reason, that particular part of the restaurant scene, the the lunch scene really hit me hard. Nick, uh, 
anything that you want to take away from that lunch scene with Rebecca, her mom, Keely and Ted? I thought that it was, you know, I picked up the same, same thing as you, uh, just really seeing how Ted is reacting in that moment there. Um, I, you know, once Deborah gets up and leaves, I think that's probably indicative of what's going to come later in the episode, maybe shows a, a little bit of a character trait there in Rebecca's mom. Mm. Um, but yeah, everything that you said there about uh, really seeing his perspective on how other people are handling relationships um, gives him another opportunity to connect with Rebecca about something that's pretty personal, you know, meeting, meeting someone's mom. Um, we'll, we'll surely talk about that great line later. We uh, probably but, will. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be all of our number one Tedism this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he really gets to see that. And of course we've got some, some good conversation in that scene. Um, but we also get some good comedy, you know, anytime we're in the pub, uh, with our, with our mates who hang out there, uh, what do I have? Poor little cake, soggy bottom. Yeah. The screen. So they're not even watching soccer there. They're just watching the British Bake Off, which British is, Bake you know, just so talking about too. rounding oh my out God. all my of the characters. My wife is addicted to that show. So what the fact that? that they make that reference in Ted Lasso, I might be able to win her back to to watching season two of Ted Lasso. What was, but... the, what was that line that uh, the one kid said there? Like something like something your chocolate is <laughs> like, I can't even like slow cook your chocolate or something like that. <laughs> He's like yelling it like he's watching a match. It's so fantastic. Absolutely. So then we get to go into the quarterfinals and I want to take this in two chunks, two halves. We come into the quarterfinal and it's nil, nil. And then uh, right then and there, Roy decides it's time to give the signal (laughs) to Jamie to be a prick. And so they all flip him off uh, the whole coaching staff. It's just wonderfully choreographed. (laughs) And then uh, Jamie comes up with this idea that he's going to basically make the other player penalize him. And he's going to score from this impossibly far away distance. Uh, And it's just incredible (laughs) to see that setup and then to see the kick and you know, it's going to go in the whole time, but that takes them to one, nothing going into the half. But again, this is kind of the story cap to the conversation that Jamie and Roy had earlier. So anything you wanted to follow up with here, Jeremy? Yeah, a, a lot of things here actually is that again, like the look, the acting that Phil Dunster is putting in in this season, like, cause when he gets the signal and it's not even just an immediate thing, he has like a moment of like, what the hell are you doing? Oh, like it's just so Jamie Tart. Like he wouldn't even understand at that very point. But you're right. Like now you see perfectly what Jamie can do on a field when he's harnessed the right way. And this is the first time we've really ever seen it. And there's a couple of great payoffs from season one in this because, you know, he tells the guy, look, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this ball by you. You're going to foul me and I'm going to score all the way from back here, which is just great peak, you know, uh, confident Jamie. But then if you'll notice when he gets tackled, when he goes down, who's the player that comes over there to pick him up off the ground. It's Sam. Sam immediately comes over there and offers his hand and picks him up a total parallel to when Roy and Jamie got in the fight on the field because Jamie was stepping over Sam after he got tackled on the field and was showing little to no regard at all for that. And now like we just go full circle there. And yes, as an avid football soccer in America watcher, that shot is impossible. <laughs> that shot is absolutely impossible. But I not mean, in a feel-good sports show. 
Never. Yeah, of right. course no, he's no, dead. No. That, there was no way he was missing the, that. But you know, should be the fire roll did happen. I've, so I guess I've, that seen, <laughs> I've seen shots like that happen in matches, but trust me, it's like the equivalent of a Hail Mary or a full court shot. What was it that? Is uh, almost right impossible. foot uh, blessed by God or kissed, yeah, by, kissed God by God. Or, yeah, kissed by God. Yeah. like and, and it really is. And again, you see right there. And I just love that once he gives the signal back to them, you know, he flips them all off at the same time. And then what happens? He's mugged by his teammates where in the first season he's doing his solo celebration, the me, 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 which again, side note, Joey Votto did that at the all-star game, which is fantastic. Um, But like, you know, like now all of a sudden it's not about him. And even though he's doing what he does, it's for the team now. And it's just a wonderful payoff of so many on the field, Jamie Tart storylines there. As we move into the second half of the match, uh, here's where I go maybe off the deep end here. I try to find little subtle things that the writers are doing for us along the way. And we do get to see Ted's panic attack that's happening on the pitch. And then he ultimately leaves, which then allows Nate to come in and kind of save the day. He does a triple substitution. And uh, even though it's a draw at the time, it's a one, one game uh, at that time, because the the team is kind of forlorn after Ted leaves, they allow a goal. And then now we're in a draw situation, but Nate comes in, saves the day, Jamie's able to score again. Richmond wins. Uh, and we are kind of left wondering where Ted is because Rebecca finds his jacket taken off in the locker room. Yeah. But- and what, what a ballsy way to do that too. Right. We never see the winning goal. We never get to see the triumph that they have. Like, cause we we're concentrating on Rebecca trying to find Ted. That is a ballsy move in an episode like this, where it's so concentrated on the, on the field action. It's kind of cool to see the whole team rush into the locker room as well, just because Mm. like you never get to see that angle of it. You get to see them leave the field, but you never get to see the angle of the team just crushing the locker room as it comes in. But here's where Nick, tell me if I'm just going off the deep end here and I'm making, making things up as I go along. I don't know that the signal that they're referring to in the title here is the signal that they give to Jamie Tart. I think it's the signal that Ted gives us that he's about to have a panic attack. And that is when, because if you remember in the club, it it pans into his hands in his pockets, twitching like they do right when they're on, he's on the sideline of the pitch before he has to leave for his panic attack. And I almost wonder if there's a subtle hint that that is what is symbolizing that Ted is starting to go down this road where he's either going to have a panic attack or something negative is going to happen. And I wonder if that is the signal that we were supposed to be looking for as an audience. Am I way off base here, Nick? I don't think so. You know, I, I didn't come up to me right away. I took the uh, the obvious route, but I like your analysis and, and how you come to that there because it makes sense. And I mean, as, as someone who has had panic attacks before, um, I saw that coming and, you know, they do a great job in production. You get the sound editing behind it to put some of that tinnitus and you're like, oh gosh, what's really happening here? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the hand clenching, um, they are doing a good job of illustrating and kind of bring to life what those mental states look like. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that could definitely be 
some some sneaky analysis. Mr. Okay, McFarland. Jeremy, you think uh, I'm totally I'm just just you no. know making things up as I go along here? No, I think you're I think you're onto something here, and I think you're onto something else too. Um, Maybe I'm a I, wonder kid. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, but I think that you guys are onto something there. And I think that that's a very unique way to look at the title of this episode because it didn't occur to me at first either. But, you know, all these things, they're, they're usually triggered by something here. I mean, like, you know, in the first time he had a panic attack, it was during Rebecca singing Let It Go, which is all about hiding your emotions. Um, and that's kind of, I, I always took that as like, okay, well, Ted's got some stuff that he clearly doesn't deal with. In season one, it seems like it's definitely the divorce. And it, maybe it is here too. But again, I said in the last episode, I think there's some more stuff going on here that we don't know about yet. And something in this match shook that in him again. Panic attacks don't just happen very randomly. I used to have them when I was a kid. There's usually a, a triggering influence mentally. So I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. Post game, uh, we get to see Nate, the Wonder Kid, uh, <laughs> giving the interview <laughs> about what he's doing as far as uh, on the pitch and coaching. I will say that, you know, I think that they've been previewing this all along. I could see a huge ego trip coming uh, as a result of all of this with the attention that is being paid to him. He certainly could get that seat by the window if he wanted to, at least this <laughs> week uh, as he's going in. And so I don't know. We'll have to see where Nate goes from here. But a couple of things, other things happen in the post game, particularly that Beard and Higgins do have a conversation about Jane. And really, Beard doesn't listen to Higgins at all. I thought that that was interesting that he really doesn't want to hear it much um, at first. And it's still like, I feel like Higgins is trying to, again, the growth of the character. There's no way season one Higgins would have had that conversation mm. with Beard. He would have, mm. I mean, look, he's the one that is allowing for Rupert to sneak around on Rebecca without addressing it to either Rupert or Rebecca. So now the fact that he's uh, bluntly addressing this with Beard, I thought that that was interesting. And maybe because the rest of the Diamond Dogs didn't have his back, and that's why he called <laughs> the meeting earlier in the episode to talk about it. it said, you know, it kind of hurt my feelings that you didn't uh, have my back there. Uh, but then we do see Rebecca go home, and she gets on to banter after she is uh, done calling up Hunky Luca for <laughs> another evening. And uh, also finds out, I guess, right before that, that her mom has gotten back with her dad, just as she predicted. But then who is on the other side of that banter message? I can't believe it. Can you, Nick? <laughs> uh, uh, my, my mouth is my mouth is open. You can't see that because it's on a podcast. But I <laughs> we was, are the best. Yes, what happened to you when this happened? What, what happened was, to you mentally? <laughs> Floored, floored, uh, watching this, you know, ahead of time, just in my in my headphones on my iPad in bed and just going, <gasps> uh, you know, audible gas, <laughs> because I called out in the last episode with some sneaky yes, cutaways that I thought maybe did. it was Ted. Yes, man. And of course, that. I was like, oh, man, that that's going to be weird. But then Sam Obasanya, that's who they're going to try to set this up with. I, I am. uh Call me intrigued. I am very interested to see where this one goes. I think that we're going to see a lot more of that, I would predict, as the season advances. So we will certainly come back to that storyline. But the last thing we see, speaking of storylines that keep reverberating Oof. back, we finally see that uh, Dr. Fieldstone finds Ted laying on the couch 
And then the episode ends with Ted asking for an appointment uh, with Dr. Fieldstone. <laughs> Just gut-wrenching stuff there from Jason Sudeikis. He obviously is disheveled. He is obviously at a low point and um, you feel for Ted, you know, and uh, you know that this is a difficult thing for him to do, having just had this panic attack and then realizing it's so hard. It's that moment when people realize that they might need an extra helping hand. Uh, and that is always going to be a difficult moment. Jeremy, any thoughts as we wrap up the episode and before we get into our favorite part of the week? Yeah, it's you're right. Like, um, I remember watching season one and when the panic attack happens and again because i had these when i was in high school um and actually even in college um a few times um the way they portray it is very very real i mean you just you're right nick you just get this ringing in your head it feels like you can't get any air in your lungs um it happened to me while driving once and that was scary as hell um but you know like when that happens in season one that's our first real moment of just like who this guy's human and I'm very worried about him <laughs> in that moment. And, and, you know, because that's where Rebecca sees it too. Finally, for the first time, it's like, he's not just this caricature or somebody she's trying to manipulate. It's like, this is a real human person here. And the, the genius of the way they do it this time is that we don't get a moment to do that when he actually feels the attack this time. We're all embroiled in the game. We're enthralled in it. We jump right into Nate's uh, narrative arc again. And then, what it's like a good like seven or eight minutes before we see him again at the end of this episode and i don't know what it did to you guys but like that was when i see him sit up on the couch and he's in the, the dark shadows and he's disheveled and can barely speak and his his hands are even up here um on his chest i was just like it, it was it took me back to that season one moment where i was like man i am so worried about this guy and i i, I really hope he's gonna be okay here because it's one of those oh crap, this is real moments that the show just drops on you every once in a while. And those, those real moments, man, they're just, they're so important to the show. And it's one of the reasons why I love Ted Lasso and really mm -hmm. love a lot of the original programming here is that it's connecting back to something that all of us can kind of relate to and other things that have, you know, surfaced in the culture as well. Like this idea of someone who, has it all together, who is always cheery and sunny and smiley, they, they might have some really tough stuff going on inside. Um, it's, it's a nice reminder. I mean, here in the beginning of August, I, I just saw uh, recently in the last few days, the anniversary of Robin Williams and that mm. passing. And it's just always a good reminder to uh, keep, keep your friends close and reach out to people when you think uh, you need to, when they may need a hand and they may turn you down like coach beard. They may say, uh, thanks, but we're not going to speak of this again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at least you did what you needed to do as a good friend, uh, looking out for those people in your life. What a great message to take us right into our Tedisms. Tedisms for each week we share biscuits truth. Thank you, Larry Smith, for having just that marvelous, marvelous voice <laughs> that you lend to us every single week. Nick, you're our guest once again this week. You get to lead us off with Tedisms, and I, um, I'm going to put money on which one you're you, going to go for shouldn't here. Shouldn't we just and, get this one out of the way right yeah, off the bat? Here we it's go. the best line in the it's episode. It's our favorite. So, uh, you know, I love meeting people's moms. It's like reading an instruction manual as to why they're nuts. <laughs> 
it's just so perfect. Everything about it's so perfect. And it's honestly, it's just so true. (laughs) And also let's not discount beard after that, where he's just this high pitched scream of let's go. And then Ted asked him how his mom's doing. And he goes full blown QAnon. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah. Yeah. I would say my rudder up though, uh, would gotta be from Rebecca's mom. If you get dealt lemons in life, you should make lemon lavender mojitos. Definitely. <laughs> Amen to that, Deborah. <laughs> Lemonade, we don't we don't need that. Let's step it up a level. <laughs> oh man. Jeremy, give us give us some of yours. Well, I mean, the first one when he's walking into the office is uh definitely one of my favorites, which is when he's talking to Dr. Fieldstone and he says, you are more mysterious than David Blaine reading a Sue Grafton novel at Area 51. <laughs> that is about as dead <laughs> as it gets, man. <laughs> oh, I do, man. I do enjoy when they're um, when they're bringing uh, like they're bringing up all like the greatest uh, battles in history, David versus Goliath, and then Beard says Pearl Jam versus Ticketmaster. I love that <laughs> one. Um, and then also another Beard one. This is right after the Roy and Jamie conversation. Uh, the the scene is left, and all that's in the scene is Jamie and Beard. Jamie looks right at Beard and just goes, "I I don't know how to talk to you." And then Beard, in the perfect perfect delivery, just says, "Then it's working." And it's awesome. It's perfect. So uh, that has to be uh, one of my Tedisms of the week for sure. Uh, What Tedisms of the week did you all have? Let us know because you can contact the show by emailing us at front row lasso. Let us know what you think about the first half of the second season and where you think things might be going on from here. I can't wait to watch more Ted Lasso with you. We are part of the Front Row Network, so if you're interested in checking out any of our other shows, please check us out on all things social media for the Front Row Network. We have some really fun shows coming up. Jeremy hosts a show called Are You Afraid of the Podcast? If you're interested in Are You Afraid of the Dark, you can definitely go and listen to all that. (laughs) I also host a show called Beyond the Mouse, so if you like anything and all things Disney, come and check out that show for us as well. Uh, we've got to get Nick a show because- I was about to say, was just, Nick, you've been weeks. on two episodes now. So I think contractually, you have to come up with your own Front Row Network show. Now, so. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I won't throw a name out in case it's trademarked, uh, <laughs> but- yeah, no, this is this has been great, guys. I've I've really enjoyed uh, joining along for this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hopefully, we can bring you back again, uh, yes. maybe as we start to close out the second season. And then I should also mention to our listeners because we started this in the second season. At some point, we will go back and do a retrospective of the there first you go. season as you well. Gotta come back uh, for so at least certainly, the first Nick, season. you're going to have to come back for some of those as well. <laughs> All so right. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you for giving us a listen. Of course, again, you can check us out on all podcast apps. If you just search for peanut butter and biscuits, you can also find the front row network shows by searching for the front row network. And you can always find us on nprillinois.org as well as we are a community voices partner of NPR Illinois. So for peanut butter and biscuits, a Ted Lasso fan cast, I am Craig. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Nick. And as always, be a goldfish.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.